Chapter Nine of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nine, five years later, and in the fair city of Elms, we again opened the scene. It was commencement at Yale, and the crowd which filled the old center church were listening breathlessly to the tide of eloquence poured forth by the young valedictorian durward belmont first in his studies first in his class and first in the esteem of his fellow-students had been unanimously chosen to that post of honour and as the gathered multitude hung upon his words and gazed upon his manly beauty they felt that a better choice could not well have been made at the right of the platform sat a group of ladies friends it would seem of the speaker for ever and anon his eyes turned in that direction and as if each glance incited him to fresh efforts his eloquence increased until at last no sound save that of his deep-toned voice was heard so rapt was every one in the words of the young orator but when his speech was ended there arose deafening shouts of applause while bouquets fell in perfect showers at his feet among them was one smaller and more elegant than the rest and as if it were more precious too it was the first which durward took from the floor see carrie he gives you the preference whispered one of the young ladies on the right and carrie livingstone for she it was felt a thrill of gratified pride when she saw how carefully he guarded the bouquet which during all the exercises she had made her especial care calling attention to it in so many different ways that hardly any one who saw it in durward's possession could fail of knowing from what source it came but then everybody said they were engaged so what did it matter everybody but john jr who was john jr still and who while openly denying the engagement teasingly hinted that was no fault of cad's for the last three years carrie nelly mabel and anna had been inmates of the seminary in new haven and as they were now considered sufficiently accomplished to enter at once upon all the gaieties of fashionable life john jr had come on to see the elephant as he said and to accompany them home carrie had fulfilled the promise of her girlhood and even her brother acknowledged that she was handsome in spite of her nose which like everybody else's still continued to be the most prominent feature of her face she was proud too as well as beautiful and throughout the city she was known as the haughty southern belle admired by some and disliked by many among the students she was not half so popular as her unpretending sister whose laughing blue eyes and sunny brown hair were often toasted together with the classical brow and dignified bearing of nelly douglas who had lost some of the hoydenish propensities of her girlhood and who was now a graceful elegant creature just merging into nineteen the pride of her widowed father and the idol still of john jr whose boyish preference had ripened into a kind of love such as only he could feel with poor mabel ross it had fared worse her plain face and dumpy little figure never receiving the least attention except from durwood belmont who pitying her lonely condition frequently left more congenial society for the sake of entertaining her of any one else carrie would have been jealous but feeling sure that mabel had no attraction save her wealth and knowing that durwood did not care for that she occasionally suffered him to leave her side always feeling amply repaid by the evident reluctance with which he left her society for that of mabel's when ill-naturedly rallied by his companions upon his preference for carrie durwood would sometimes laughingly refer them to the old worn-out story of the fox and the grapes for to scarcely any one save himself did carrie think it worth her while even to be gracious 
this conduct was entirely at variance with her natural disposition for she was fond of admiration come from what source it might and she never would have been so cold and distant to all save durwood had she not once heard him say that he heartily despised a flirt and that no young lady could at all interest him if he suspected her of being a coquette this then was the secret of her reserve she was resolved upon winning durwood belmont deeming no sacrifice too great if in the end it secured the prize it is true there was one sophomore a perfumed brainless fop from rockford new york who next to durwood was apparently most in favour but the idea of her entertaining even a shadow of a liking for tom lakin was too ludicrous to be harboured for a moment so his attentions went for naught public opinion uniting in giving her to mr belmont with the lapse of years anna too had greatly improved the extreme delicacy of her figure was gone and though her complexion was as white and pure as marble it denoted perfect health with john jr she was still the favourite sister the one whom he loved the best carrie was too stiff and proud he said and though when he met her in new haven after a year's absence his greeting was kind and brotherly he soon turned from her to anna and nelly utterly neglecting mabel who turned away to her chamber to cry because no one cared for her frequently had his mother reminded him of the importance of securing a wealthy bride always finishing her discourse by speaking of mr douglas's small income and enlarging upon the immense wealth of mabel ross whose very name had become disagreeable to john jr at one time his father had hoped he too would enter college but the young man derided the idea of his ever making a scholar saying however more in sport than in earnest that he was willing to enter a store or learn a trade so that in case he was ever obliged to earn his own living he would have some means of doing it but to this his mother would not listen he was her darling boy and his hands soft and white as those of a girl should never become hardened and embrowned by labour so while his sisters were away at school he was at home hunting fishing riding teasing his grandmother tormenting the servants and shocking his mother by threatening to make love to his cousin lena to whom he was at once a pest and a comfort and who now claims a share of our attention when it was decided to send carrie and anna to new haven mr livingstone proposed that lena should also accompany them but this plan mrs livingstone opposed with all her force declaring that her money should never be spent in educating the beggarly relatives of her husband who in this as in numerous other matters was forced to yield to the point as mr everett's services were now no longer needed he accepted the offer of a situation in the family of general fontaine a high-bred southern gentleman whose plantation was distant but half a mile from maple grove and as he there taught a regular school having under his charge several of the daughters of the neighbouring planters it was decided that lena also should continue under his instruction thus while carrie and anna were going through the daily routine of a fashionable boarding-school lena was storing her mind with useful knowledge and though her accomplishments were not quite so showy as those of her cousins they had in them the ring of the pure metal although her charms were as yet but partially developed she was a creature of rare loveliness and many who saw her for the first time marvelled that aught so beautiful could be real she had never seen durwood belmont since that remarkable christmas week but many a time had her cheeks flushed with a feeling which she could not define as she read anna's accounts of the flattering attentions which she paid to carrie who when at home still treated her with haughty contempt or cool indifference but for this she did not care she knew she was loved by anna and liked by john jr and she hoped nay 
half believed that she was not wholly indifferent to her uncle who while he seldom made any show of his affection still in his heart admired and felt proud of her with his wife it was different she hated lena hated her because she was beautiful and talented and because in her presence carrie and anna were ever in the shade still her niece was too general a favorite in the neighborhood to allow of open hostility at home and so the proud woman ground together her glittering teeth and waited among the many who admired lena there was no one who gave her such full and unbounded homage as did her grandmother whose life at maple grove had been one of shadow seldom mingled with sunshine gradually had she learned the estimation in which she was held by her son's wife and she felt how bitter it was to eat the bread of dependence as far as she was able lena shielded her from the sneers of her aunt who thinking she had done all that was required of her when she fixed their room would for days and even weeks appear utterly oblivious of their presence or frown darkly whenever chance threw them in her way she had raised no objection to lena's continuing a pupil of mr everett who she hoped would not prove indifferent to her charms fancying that in this way she would sooner be rid of one whom she feared as a rival of her daughter's but she was mistaken for much as malcolm everett might admire lena another image than hers was enshrined in his heart and most carefully guarded was the little golden curl cut in seeming sport from the head it once adorned and now treasured as a sacred memento of the past believing that it would be so because she wished it to be so mrs livingstone had more than once whispered to her female friends her surmises that malcolm everett would marry lena and at the time of which we are speaking it was pretty generally understood that a strong liking at least if not an engagement existed between them old captain atherton grown more smooth and portly rubbed his fat hands complacently and while applying twigs preparation to his hair congratulated himself that the only rival he had ever feared was now out of his way thinking too that lena had conferred a great favor upon himself by taking mr everett from his mind he became exceedingly polite to her making her little presents and frequently asking her to ride whenever these invitations were accepted they were sure to be followed by a ludicrous description to anna who laughed merrily over her cousin's letters declaring herself half jealous of her grey-haired lover as she termed the captain all such communications were eagerly seized by carrie and fully discussed in the presence of durward who gradually received the impression that lena was a flirt a species of womankind which he held in great abhorrence just before he left new haven he received a letter from his stepfather requesting him to stop for a day or two at captain atherton's where he would join him as he wished to look at a country seat near mr livingstone's which was now for sale this plan gave immense satisfaction to carrie and when her brother proposed that durwood should stop at their father's instead of the captain's she seconded the invitation so warmly that durwood finally consented and word was immediately sent to mrs livingstone to hold herself in readiness to receive mr belmont oh i do hope your father will secure woodlawn said carrie as in the parlor of the burnett house in Cincinnati they were discussing the projected purchase the other young ladies had gone out shopping and john jr who was present and who felt just like teasing his sister replied what do you care mrs graham has no daughters and she won't fancy such a chit as you so it must be durward's society that you so much desire but i can assure you that your nose will be broken when once he sees our lena carrie turned toward the window to hide her wrath at this speech while durward asked if miss rivers were so very handsome handsome repeated john that don't begin to express it cad is what i call handsome but lena is beautiful more beautiful most beautiful now you have it superlatively 
such complexion such eyes such hair i'll be hanged if i haven't been more than half in love with her myself i really begin to tremble said durwood laughingly while carrie rejoined you've only to make the slightest advance and your love will be returned tenfold for lena is very susceptible and already encourages several admirers there my fair sister you are slightly mistaken interrupted john jr who was going on farther in his remarks when durwood asked if she ever left any marks of her affection referring to the scratch she had given carrie who before her brother had time to speak replied that the will and the clause remained the same though common decency kept them hidden when it was necessary that's downright slander said john jr determined now upon defending his cousin lena has a high temper i acknowledge but she tries hard to govern it and for nearly two years i've not seen her angry once though she's had every provocation under heaven she knows when and where to be amiable retorted carrie any one of her admirers would tell the same story with yourself at this juncture john jr was called for a moment from the room and carrie fearing she had said too much immediately apologized to durwood saying it was not often that she allowed herself to speak against her cousin and that she should not have done so now were not john so much blinded that her mother knowing lena's ambitious nature sometimes seriously feared the consequence i know said she that john fancies nelly but lena's influence over him is very great durward made no reply and carrie continued i'm always sorry when i speak against lena she is my cousin and i wouldn't prejudice any one against her so you must forget my unkind remarks which would never have been uttered in the presence of a stranger she is handsome and agreeable and you must like her in spite of what i said i cannot refuse when so fair a lady pleads her cause was durwood's gallant answer and as the other young ladies then entered the room the conversation ceased meanwhile lena was very differently employed nearly a year had elapsed since she had seen her cousins and her heart bounded with joy at the thought of meeting anna whom she dearly loved carrie was to her an object of indifference rather than dislike and oft-times had she thought if she would only let me love her but it could not be for there was no affinity between them carrie was proud and overbearing jealous of her high-spirited cousin who as john jr had said strove hard to subdue her temper and who now seldom resented carrie's insults except when they were levelled at her aged grandmother as we have before stated news had been received at maple grove that durwood would accompany her cousin's home mr graham would of course join him there and accordingly extensive preparations were immediately commenced an unusual degree of sickness was prevailing among the female portion of mrs livingstone's servants and the very day before the company was expected aunt milly the head cook was taken suddenly ill coaxing scolding and threatening was alike ineffectual the old negress would not say she was well when she wasn't and as hagar the next in command was also sick lazy as her mistress called it mrs livingstone was herself obliged to superintend the cookery crosser than a bar as the little darkie said she flew back and forth from kitchen to pantry her bunch of keys rattling the corners of her mouth drawn back and her hands raised ready to strike at anything that came in her way as if there were a fatality attending her movements she was unfortunate in whatever she undertook the cake was burned black the custard curdled the preserves were found to be working the big preserve dish got broken a thunder-shower soured the cream and taking it all in all she really had trouble enough to disconcert the most experienced housekeeper 
still the few negroes able to assist thought she needn't be so fetched cross but cross she was feeling more than once inclined to lay witchcraft to the charge of old milly who comfortably ensconced in bed listened in dismay to the disastrous accounts brought her from time to time from the kitchen mentally congratulating herself the while upon not being within hearing of her mistress's tongue once mrs nichols attempted to help but she was repulsed so angrily that lena did not presume to offer her services until the day of their arrival when without a word she repaired to the chambers which she swept and dusted arranging the furniture and making everything ready for the comfort of the travellers then descending to the parlours she went through the same process there filled the vases with fresh flowers looped back the curtains opened the piano wheeled the sofa a little to the right large chair a little to the left and then going to the dining-room she set the table in the most perfect order doing all so quietly that her aunt knew nothing of it until it was done jake the coachman had gone to frankfort after them and as he was not expected to return until between three and four dinner was deferred until that hour from sunrise mrs livingstone had worked industriously until her face and temper were at a boiling heat the clock was on the point of striking three and she was bending over a roasting turkey when lena ventured to approach her saying i have seen aunt milly baste a turkey many a time and i am sure i can do it as well as she well what of it was the uncivil answer lena's temper choked her but forcing it down she replied why it is almost three and i thought perhaps you would want to cool and dress yourself before they came i can see to the dinner i know i can please let me try somewhat mollified by her niece's kind manner mrs livingstone resigned her post and repaired to her own room while lena confining her long curls to the top of her head and donning the wide check apron which her aunt had thrown aside set herself at work with a right good will what dad are you say exclaimed aunt milly lifting her woolly head from her pillow and looking at the little coloured girl who had brought to her the news that young miss was in de kitchen what dat are you tellin miss leany pokin mong de pots and kittles and dis old nigger lazin in bed just like white folks long as twas old miss i didn't see her good enough for her to roast blister and bile done get used to it case she's got two in kingdom come no mistake he <laughs> but little miss leany it's too bad to bake her lamb's wool hands and face and all the quality comin i'll hobble up thar if i can stand suiting the action to the word she got out of bed and crawling up to the kitchen insisted upon taking lena's place saying she could sit in her chair and tell the rest what to do for a time lena hesitated the old woman seemed so faint and weak but the sound of wheels decided her springing to the sideboard in the dining-room she brought aunt milly a glass of wine which revived her so much that she now felt willing to leave her by this time the carriage was at the door and to escape unobserved was now her great object but this she could not do for as she was crossing the hall anna espied her and darting forward seized her around the neck at the same time dragging her toward carrie who with durward's eye upon her kissed her twice then turning to him she said i suppose you do not need an introduction to miss rivers durward was almost guilty of the rudeness of staring at the strangeness of lena's appearance for as nearly as she could she looked a fright bending over hot stoves and boiling gravies is not very beneficial to one's complexion and lena's cheeks neck and forehead and nose were of a purplish red 
her hair was tucked back in a manner exceedingly unbecoming while the broad check apron which came nearly to her feet tended in no wise to improve her appearance she felt it keenly and after returning durward's salutation she broke away before anna or john jr who were both surprised at her looks had time to ask a question running up to her room her first impulse was to cry but knowing that would disfigure her still more she bathed her burning face and neck brushed out her curls threw on a simple muslin dress and started for the parlour of which durwood and carrie were at that moment the only occupants as she was passing the outer door she observed upon one of the piazza pillars a half-blown rose and for a moment stopped to admire it durward who sat in a corner did not see her but carrie did and a malicious feeling prompted her to draw out her companion who she felt sure was disappointed in lena's face they were speaking of a lady whom they saw at frankfort and whom carrie pronounced perfectly beautiful while durward would hardly admit that she was even good-looking i am surprised at your taste said carrie adding as she noticed the proximity of her cousin i think she resembles lena and of course you'll acknowledge she is beautiful she was beautiful five years ago but she's greatly changed since then answered durward never suspecting the exquisite satisfaction his words afforded carrie who replied you had better keep that opinion to yourself and not express it before captain atherton or brother john who takes my name in vain asked john jr himself appearing at a side door oh john said carrie we were just disputing about lena durward does not think her handsome durward be hanged answered john making a feint of drawing from his pocket a pistol which was not there what fault has he to find with lena a little too rosy that's all said durward laughingly while john continued she did look confounded red and dowdyish for her i don't understand it myself here the hem of the muslin dress on which carrie's eye had all the while been resting disappeared and as there was no longer an incentive for ill-natured remarks the amiable young lady adroitly changed the conversation john jr also caught a glimpse of the retreating figure and started in pursuit in the course of his search passing the kitchen where he was instantly hailed by aunt milly who while bemoaning her own aches and pains did not fail to tell him how miss lena like a borned angel dropped right out of tarnity had been in thar burning her skin to a fiery red a-trying to get up a tip-top dinner so ho thought the young man that explains it and turning on his heel he walked back to the house just as the last bell was ringing for dinner on entering the dining-room he found all the family assembled except lena she had excused herself on the plea of a severe headache and now in her own room was chiding herself for being so much affected by a remark accidentally overheard what did she care if durwood did think her plain he was nothing to her and never would be and again she bathed her head which really was aching sadly and so lena's got the headache said john jr well i don't wonder cooking all the dinner as she did what do you mean asked anna while mrs livingstone's angry frown bade her son keep silence filial obedience however was not one of john jr's cardinal virtues and in a few words he repeated what aunt milly had told him adding aside to durward this explains the extreme rosiness which so much offended your lordship when next you see her you'll change your mind suddenly remembering that his grandmother had not been introduced he now presented her to durward the noble's blood had long been forgotten 
but grandma was never at a loss for a subject and she commenced talking notwithstanding carrie's effort to keep her still now i think on it carline said she at last turning to her granddaughter now i think on it what made you propose to have my dinner sent up to my room i ain't at there but once this great while and that was the day general fontaine's folks were here and matilda thought i warn't able to come down durward's half-concealed smile showed that he understood it all while john jr in his element when his grandmother was talking managed to lead her on until she reached her favourite theme nancy scovendike here a look from her son silenced her and as dinner was just then over durward missed of hearing that remarkable lady's story late in the afternoon as the family were sitting upon the piazza lena joined them her headache had passed away leaving her face a shade whiter than usual the flush was gone from her forehead and nose but mindful of durwood's remark the roses deepened on her cheek which only increased her loveliness i acknowledge that i was wrong your cousin is beautiful whispered durwood to carrie who mentally hating the beauty which had never before struck her so forcibly replied in her softest tones i knew you would and i hope you'll be equally ready to forgive her for winning hearts only to break them for with that face how can she help it a handsome face is no excuse for coquetry answered durward neither can i think miss rivers guilty of it at all events i mean to venture a little nearer and before carrie could frame a reasonable excuse for keeping him at her side he had crossed over and taken a seat by lena with whom he was soon in the midst of an animated conversation his surprise each moment increasing at the depth of intellect she displayed for the beauty of her mind was equal to that of her person had it not been for the remembrance of carrie's insinuations his admiration would have been complete but anything like coquetry he heartily despised and one great secret of his liking for carrie was her evident freedom from that fault as yet he had seen nothing to condemn in lena's conduct wholly unaffected she talked with him as she would have talked with any stranger and still there was in her manner a certain coldness for which he could not account perhaps she thinks me not worth the winning thought he and in spite of his principles he ere long found himself exerting all his powers to please and interest her about tea-time captain atherton rode into the yard and simultaneously with his arrival mr everett came also immediately remembering what he had heard durward in his eagerness to watch lena failed to note the crimson flush on anna's usually pale cheek as malcolm bent over her with his low-spoken tender words of welcome and when the tzizicky captain claiming the privilege of an old friend kissed the blushing anna durward in his blindness attributed the scornful expression of lena's face to a feeling of unwillingness that any save herself should share the attentions even of the captain and in this impression he was ere long confirmed drawing his chair up to anna captain atherton managed to keep malcolm at a distance while he himself wholly monopolized the young girl who cast imploring glances toward her cousin as if asking for relief many a time on similar occasions had lena claimed the attention of the captain for the sake of leaving anna free to converse with malcolm and now understanding what was wanted of her she nodded in token that she would come to the rescue just then mrs livingstone who had kept an eye upon her niece drew near and as she seemed to want a seat lena instantly rose and offered hers going herself to the place where the captain was sitting ere long her lively sallies and the captain's loud laugh began to attract mrs livingstone's attention and observing that durward's eyes were frequently drawn that way she thought proper to make some remarks concerning the impropriety of her niece's conduct i do wish 
said she apparently speaking more to herself than to durwood i do wish lena would learn discretion and let captain atherton alone when she knows how much her behaviour annoys mr everett is mr everett anything to her asked durwood half hoping that she would not confirm what carrie had before hinted if he isn't he ought to be answered mrs livingstone with an ominous shake of the head rumour says they are engaged and though when questioned she denies it she gives people abundant reason to think so and yet every chance she gets she flirts with captain atherton as you see her doing now what can she or any other young girl possibly want of that old man asked durward laughing at the very idea he is rich lena is poor proud and ambitious there lies the secret was mrs livingstone's reply and thinking she had said enough for the present she excused herself while she went to give orders concerning supper john jr and carrie too had disappeared and thus left to himself durward had nothing to do but to watch lena who as she saw symptoms of desertion in the anxious glances which the captain cast toward anna redoubled her exertions to keep him at her side thus confirming durward in the belief that she really was what her aunt and carrie had represented her to be poor proud and ambitious rang in his ears and as he mistook the mischievous look which lena frequently sent toward anna and malcolm for a desire to see how the latter was affected by her conduct he thought fickle as fair at the same time congratulating himself that he had obtained an insight into her real character ere her exceeding beauty and agreeable manners had made any particular impression upon him knowing she had done nothing to offend him and feeling piqued at his indifference lena in turn treated him so coldly that even carrie was satisfied with the phase which affairs had assumed and that night in the privacy of her mother's dressing-room expressed her pleasure that matters were progressing so finely you've no idea mother said she how much he detests anything like coquetry nelly douglas thinks it's a kind of monomania with him and i am inclined to believe it is so in that case answered mrs livingstone it behooves you in his presence to be very careful how you demean yourself toward other gentlemen i haven't lived nineteen years for nothing said carrie folding her soft white hands complacently one over the other speaking of nelly douglas continued mrs livingstone who had long desired this interview with her daughter speaking of nelly reminds me of your brother who seems perfectly crazy about her and what if he does asked carrie her thoughts far more intent upon durward belmont than her brother isn't nelly good enough for him yes good enough i admit returned her mother but i think i can find a far more suitable match mabel ross for instance her fortune is said to be immense while mr douglas is worth little or nothing when you bring about a union between john livingstone jr and mabel ross i shall have full confidence in your powers to do anything even to the marrying of anna and grandfather atherton answered carrie to whom her mother's schemes were no secret and that too i'll effect rather than see her thrown away upon a low-bred northerner who shall never wed her never and the haughty woman paced up and down her room devising numerous ways by which her long-cherished threefold plan should be effected the next morning durward arose much earlier than was his usual custom and going out into the garden he came suddenly upon lena this said he is a pleasure which i did not expect when i rather unwillingly tore myself from my pillow all the coldness of the night before was gone but lena could not soon forget and quite indifferently she answered that she learned to rise early among the new england hills 
an excellent practice and one which more of our young ladies would do well to imitate returned Erward, at the same time speaking of the beautifying effect which the morning air had upon her complexion lena reddened for she recalled his words of yesterday concerning her plainness and somewhat sharply she replied that any information regarding her personal appearance was wholly unnecessary as she knew very well how she looked derward bit his lip and resolving never to compliment her again walked on in silence at her side while lena repenting of her hasty words and desirous of making amends exerted herself to be agreeable and by the time the breakfast bell rang derward mentally pronounced her a perfect mystery which he would take a delight in unravelling chapter nine